Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cold Springs Church this morning. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you are here today on this really gorgeous, beautiful day. It's a little chilly, though, this morning, right? We should bring the rain back to warm things up, right? You guys are much calmer. The first service, man, they were upset. They were like, no, no, not the rain, not the rain. Um, just a quick comment on uh, our family fun event that we had on Friday night. Um, that... Uh, Two of our leaders here at our church were really instrumental in uh, shaping that and then running that event last night um, or on Friday night of Kieran Smith and Ada Wilkes. And they are two of our just uh, awesome leaders that we have within our church. Uh, they uh, work upstairs and teach the kids their story. And, uh, and they, there's just such a great confidence and, and leadership from them. And it is so wonderful to see them raising up um, to be the people of influence that uh, they truly are. And that's really a reflection of our heart and our passion here at Cold Springs Church is what we call growing young, is that we have a passion that everybody would have a lifelong faith. Um, that, um, but particularly our, our young people, that they would have that foundation to know and to follow Jesus throughout their life. And so uh, Ada and Kieran and, and uh, the great job that they were doing uh, that Friday night and what they do every week um, to really invest in our kids is, is really a, a neat thing to see in a reflection of that ministry and of that um, passion that we have of raising up our young people to be um, great leaders and great people of influence in, in our world today because we definitely know that we, we need that. Uh, Another uh, thing to, to share is that we sang happy birthday um, during our first service to Dolores Nichols. Uh, Dolores turns 95 tomorrow, um, and Dolores was here on day one of Cold Springs Church. It was First Baptist Church Placerville at that time, but she's, she was a, is a charter member of, of Cold Springs Church, so over 75 years of being involved and over 25 years of putting up with me. So, you know, that's something, all right? You know, uh, that she is stuck with it. She served in all kinds of different ways and been engaged in all kinds of different ways. So if you know Dolores, um, and uh, reach out to her and wish her a happy birthday and uh, just honor her for um, her wonderful uh, gift of, of herself and the service in, that she has brought. And 95 years. So, you know, we've got, that's growing young, right? That's our church. Is, is that we have um, the both ends of the spectrum and bringing them together that we can encourage each other uh, to, to live out a lifelong faith is really what we're about here at Cold Springs Church. Hey, um, I want um, us to pray together before we open up God's word and, and something in particular uh, for us to take a moment to pray is, is that um, you know, I, I texted a friend this morning, he says, I'm, I'm tired of pausing to pray uh, for people who have been killed in our country um, through gun violence. And uh, if you weren't aware that 10 people last night were killed in uh, the um, Chinese community celebrating Chinese New Year in LA um, were gunned down. And, um, and so, you know, we just wanna take a moment again within our backyard uh, and, and just also to pray against any type of prejudice and racism. We don't know all the details that are going on, but I do know that uh, Asian Americans over the last few years have experienced an increase in uh, racism um, and that people have been injured and hurt within that. And we pray that that isn't the case, but that might be. 
And for us as, as followers of Jesus to stand up in the world, uh, to stand for the least of these, to stand for um, hope and truth and love and light, and, um, and to pray for healing for our nation. So let's just take a moment uh, this morning and to, to pray for ourselves and to, to pray for our nation and particularly our friends in Southern California. Jesus, we come to you with a heavy heart over another report of, of the death and destruction that has come upon a community. So we're in the midst of celebrating Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, and in the midst of that, such um, death and destruction. And we know where this has come from. We know that the work of the evil one is to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, you told us that. And we know also your hand, which is to um, bring life and to bring it overflowing of that which you have called us to as your followers. And so Jesus, in this, um, in this tragedy and in our, our brokenness of our nation, the brokenness of our state, the brokenness of that community, we pray that your peace, that your power would somehow show up in the midst of that that your life and your light would be present, and that your life and your light would be greater than the darkness. And Lord, help us as your followers to stand against the, the darkness of any killing, stealing, destroying, any thing of words or actions that would bring people as just simply labels or stereotypes, that we would stand up, that you have fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us and that you love the whole world. And that is why you gave your son, because you love the world. And Lord, I pray that um, as we come to your word this morning, as we come to uh, discover and to hear more deeply, more closely what faith is, um, that you would help us to see the places where we can step into a greater trust in you, a greater faith in you. Lord, thank you that you meet us um, in our need, that you meet us in those places where we have to take those sometimes scary steps of trusting you, and that your grace is sufficient for whatever need that we have. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We're in a series of messages that we began a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, called Beyond Survival. And it's addressing this sort of place, this mental place, this emotional place, maybe even the physical place that we can find ourselves in the world today of like we're just sort of holding on by our fingernails. And if you chew your fingernails, you don't even have fingernails to hold on, right? That is like, you know, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to get it through the next moment, through the next day, through the next week, through this, through this year. And we're really asking this question as I began is, is that can you trust God? That's really the starting point within our lives. And, and one of the illustrations that I've been using is this climbing rope of asking the question of, you know, do you trust God? And, and what is it in your life that you depend on? What is it that is holding you when you have need, when you come to the end of yourself? And this question of do, can you trust God is really important because if the answer is no, then all you can trust is what you can do. It's all up to you. But if you can trust God, 
and he is trustworthy, I will put that forth to you, but you have to come to that. Then the next question is, is it, do you trust God? Do you actually trust God? Is there, if somebody were to follow you around, if somebody was to take out their, you know, smartphone and videotape you in, in your life for a day, would there be any evidence in your life that you depend upon, that you trust, that you rely on anything other than yourself? And what I've said is, is that trust is shown when there's a reliance under stress. And, and stress shows exactly what it is that we are depending on. Where do we turn? And if we do trust God, what we are saying is, is that when we come under stress, when we've come to the end of ourselves, when we, before we even come to the end of ourselves, is, is that we're depending upon not ourselves, but we are depending upon God. That we are relying upon his truth, his life, his mercy, his strength within us. Because it is so much greater than anything that we have. So then the, the question is, well, how do you trust God? And what I find is, is that you know, a lot of us who have said yes to Jesus, that we believe that, we can, that God is trustworthy, and we say, yes, I, I wanna, I'm going to trust you, God. We still are in this journey of actually trusting God. And that's what Beyond Survival is, is that how do we trust God in these different things, different areas, different parts of our life, within our spiritual life, in our financial life, our emotional life, within relationships, within time? Last week, uh, when we were exploring this, the, the thing that I was reminding us is that we have to move from fear to faith. That, and we live in a culture that has a lot of fear in it. And there can be, you know, from outward circumstances, a lot of things to fear. But fear is actually the invitation for faith, to faith. That when we experience fear in our life, that's actually the point of decision, the point of choice. Because fear is our emotional response to something that, that happens to us. And then we have the choice. Am I going to continue in fear or I'm, I'm, am I going to lean into Jesus and to trust him? And we saw that, we looked at the, the journey of Abraham in the book of Genesis, who's called the father of faith, right? I mean, that's a pretty heady title to have. And yet here, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they went back and forth between Fear and faith, fear and faith, fear and faith. And yet, all of these great promises, and still, Abraham would depend upon himself because fear is being human. That that's part of what we experience, but it's also the decision point for us is that are we going to trust God? And that, um, and that trusting God in this of having faith is to enter into the rest of God. Last uh, week, um, if you're here, I, I had a, a, a chair that was attached to this rope. And the, the point that I made with that chair is that I see that people move back this week, that's right, because I was swinging out into people and they're like, you told, told us that this is a retired rope that is not, you know, trustworthy. Ah, whatever. Um, but, you know, I got into that chair and the thing is, is that that's an illustration for us in our faith. This is that you have to get in. If you're going to experience the rest of God, you have to trust God. And trusting God is putting all of your weight upon him. 
Trust is shown when there is reliance under stress. And so as we continue today, we're going to look at what does it mean to move from accidental to intentional? Of how do we live beyond survival of being not accidental in that, but intentional? We were, having, we were talking about this, and uh, one of my favorite theologians, S.M. York, um, uh, was uh, reflecting on this. And if you're new to this, uh, uh, the theologian S.M. York is Steve York, who is one of our teaching pastors, associate pastors here, who clearly um, needs to gain more weight so he can be warmer in his life, right? You know, we're in a staff meeting, and he's got his... Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't have gloves on there. I think it was hard to use a computer with that. But, you know, he said this, being intentional is probably going to make success more likely. Being intentional is probably going to make success more likely. And this morning, I, I, I do want to let you know, is, is that we're going to be talking about something that is extraordinarily practical, is something that touches you every day, something that relates to faith every day. We're going to be talking about money. Now, this is... Some of you are here for the first time, and, you, and you're saying, I knew it. I come to church for the first time, and they're talking about money because churches talk about money all the time. Well, we don't talk about money all the time. And if you came for the first time and we're talking about money and that's offensive to you, I'm sorry. Um, but it is an issue of faith. It is one of the most practical things of where we engage in what do we rely on in our lives. And so here's a question. Can you have it all? Can you have it all? Now, one of the, one of the things about your life and my life is, is that we have this extraordinary gift. And that extraordinary gift is this thing called choice. That we get to choose the life that we are going to live. And, and that was by God's design. When you go back to the beginning of the book and you look at how God has, has created us and we've each been created in the image of God and, and you see this garden scene where everything is provided for Adam and Eve in this picture of beauty and perfection and yet there's this one, you know, there's this one thing that you cannot do. There's this one tree that you cannot engage with that God gave humankind choice. Because God loves us, and that love is an extraordinary love. It's a lavish love. It is an overwhelming love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It is a sacrificial love. And in God's love, as he pours it out to us, he wants us to choose him, to respond to him, to recognize the love and the practical aspect or impact of that love towards you and I in our lives and to choose to follow God. And right from the beginning, Adam and Eve said, you know what, I think I've got a better idea. I think I have a different choice, a better choice that I am going to make, that we are going to make. And it wasn't to respond to God's love. It wasn't to trust God. It was to trust themselves. And so 
God did not make you a robot. He did not make us automatons that have no choice, that have to do what God wants. He gave you and I choice. And so every day is an exercise of choice, is an exercise of faith. Who are we going to trust in? Are we going to trust in ourselves? Are we going to trust in God? And there's always a line that we begin when we become a follower of Jesus where we have to cross that line and say, okay, Jesus, I am yours. I choose this day to trust you. In the, back in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, Joshua has taken the, the people of God um, who've been wandering in the desert for 40 years with Moses, and now they, they've crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, and Um, And Joshua is their leader, and and they're conquering the land, and they're settling in. And he comes to sort of the end, and he comes to this climax. And he says in in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua, he, he just lays down the gauntlet, right? He says, hey, you know what? You have been created by God as a person of choice. You can choose which path you're going to go. You can choose what life you're going to live. Jesus, in his words in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, he says this. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. It's amazing how an ancient text has such modern application. Because these these are the same questions that people ask today, that we wrestle with today. Am I going to have enough? Then Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen, anybody? (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What Jesus puts there is he puts the choice. He says, what are you going to choose? What are you going to put first? What leads the way? Because that makes all the difference in the world, in your life, in your experience. What is it that you are going to practice relying on? And so that when you come to the stress point, that you have practiced relying on faith, on trusting God, that he is the one who's going to hold you in the midst of that stress, that he's the one that you're going to rely on. See, the question I asked was, can you have it all? No, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. (laughs) We want it all, and the world says, go for it all, but you can't have it all. That there are decisions, there are choices that we have to make, that you have to make of how you're going to live your life. Let's again look at the words of Jesus 
in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 27. Jesus said this, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And those are some pretty strong words of Jesus. There's a pretty strong line that he draws. And the line that he's drawing is he said, hey, you have to choose. There's an intentionality about life that makes a difference. My, uh, my parents uh, live out in the Boise area, Meridian, and... Um, and they had a cabin up in McCall. And so every year we'd go out there and we'd drive up. Um, and not far out from their, their, their home, along the highway, was this castle, literally a castle, that somebody was building. They're still building it. It's, it's being built for over 25 years. It's like this big, you know, rock and concrete thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's the example here. It's like, yeah, we're going <laughs> to have this dream. I'm going to build this. And... In the intentionality of Jesus, of challenging what is it that you are building and upon which wisdom or understanding are you building that from? So what is faith? Let's come back to that question. What is faith? Trust is shown when there is reliance under stress. So the evidence of faith is, is what are you relying on when you come under stress? Faith is relying on God's wisdom instead of our own understanding. Faith is relying on God's wisdom instead of our own understanding. Has anybody ever been confused in your journey of faith? Have you ever been like, what? God, really, God, you want me to, you want me to do that? You, the, the, you, you said that in your word that that doesn't you know that doesn't line up that that's that's confusing that's stressful in proverbs 14 12 it says this there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of now, interestingly enough, just a couple chapters later in, in Proverbs 16, 25, it says the exact same thing. And you're thinking, well, somebody didn't do a very good editing job, did they? It's like they missed that sort of duplicate. Or maybe it wasn't an editing error. Maybe it was something that was repeated because it is so important that we get it because it's so true. The world that we live in has all kinds of ways. It tells us, you know, go this way, go this path, do this, pursue this, put this first. And the, the problem is, is that they can lead to death. You know, just, just a quick aside here is that one of the things that uh, 
spiritual practices that we think is vitally important if we are going to have an enduring lifelong faith is, is that we are dripping God's word, God's truth into our life on a regular basis. And so we really encourage that everybody engage in reading the Bible on a regular basis. And the tool that we encourage people to use because we find it so accessible and so easy, so cheap because it's free, is the Bible app. And the Bible app is something you can download on your computer, you can put it on your tablet, you can put it on your smartphone, and it's available and it has all these different devotionals and reading plans and there's all kinds of different languages and Bibles that you can use and you can read them with each other. And the reason why we want to do that is because we need to know the ways of God. And God's word is the one, the thing that reveals that to us. And as we have the word of God dripping into our life, it becomes a plumb line that we are able to gauge the voices that come at us each and every day. And without it, we're depending on our own way, our own wisdom. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to the Corinthian church, he said this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 25 through 29, he says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. But, you, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, the context within which Paul is writing those words is he's writing to the city of Corinth, which was a Greek culture, and the God of Greek culture was wisdom. It was wisdom. And, and Paul is saying God goes right directly against the idols of any culture. And challenges those. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the greatest thing you could be in Greek culture is to be a wise person. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, let's apply this into this area of money. Of how does that relate to this in our life? And here's what I put to you, is, is that money is a faith test. Money is a faith test. It is the thing that reveals to you what it is that you depend upon most. Because what we think about money and how we engage with money is one of the greatest tests of our trust of God. Now, you, you probably have heard the Bible verse, money is the root of all evil, right? Have you heard that verse? If you have, uh, it's wrong, by the way. It's not what the verse says. What the verse says is the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is just a tool. Money is just a tool that, that cultures have used forever in order to engage in commerce. It's the love of money. It's the love of the things that it brings us, the love of the, 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 the emotional connection to that. And, and in one sense, you could look at Paul and as he wrote those words uh, to Timothy, you could actually put a number of things in there of, uh, instead of money. You could say things, the love of things is the root of all things. The love of relationships is the root of all things. To what what Paul is driving at here is whatever we love more than Jesus 
is the problem. Because what it continues, the, the scripture says, is that the people who have pursued the love of money have pierced themselves with many sorrows. And anything that we love more than Jesus will pierce us with many sorrows. If you love your marriage, if you love your spouse more than God, you will be pierced with many sorrows. If you love your children, your family, or the, your concept of it more than God, it will pierce you with many sorrows. If you love your things, your cars, or your houses, or your possessions more than Jesus, it will pierce you with many sorrows. If you love your retirement account more than God, it will pierce you with many sorrows. It's, a, it's an issue of worship. It's an issue of what are we choosing to put first. Now, as I was looking at this, one of the things I recognized is that, you know, we have, uh, within our lives, we have these differing attitudes about how we view money. And there's been actually a fair amount of research on this. And one group, uh, PNC Financial Services Group, they identified there's four different ways that people um, um, view money. And we're going to take a poll. So if this is you, I want you to raise your hand. Just joking. I, don't, I won't make you do that. I'll be able to tell who it is by the elbows that go into people's ribs. Um, so um, there's number one is the spenders. Spenders enjoy spending money on themselves and others, and they tend to do so freely and sometimes impulsively. Amen, anybody? Yeah, yeah thank you. There's an honest man in the, in, in the congregation. Number two is savers. Savers are careful with their money and believe in the importance of cutting costs and setting aside money for a rainy day. And there's a, sort of a subcategory of savers. They're called money hoarders, are an extreme example of savers. They're ultra-thifty and live to save. And then third is amassers, which is a little bit like spenders, but a little bit different. Amassers are a little different from savers. They like to save money, but they also look at the bigger picture, such as building wealth and financial security for the long term. It's like, okay, how can I build up my portfolio? And then four is the avoiders. Money avoiders take hands off to a new level. They don't want to think about money, talk about it, or be hands-on with managing it. I remember a friend in college um, that she didn't have uh, hardly any money. And so when she drove her car, she put a, a black sticker over the gas gauge because she didn't want to see when that light came on. Because if it's not there, then it's not, it's not real, right? And that would be a little bit of the avoider mentality. It's like, I'm not opening that statement from the bank. There might be bad news in there. Let's just ignore it. Let's hope it goes away. So if, if we're moving beyond survival and we live in this stressful economic environment, and we do live in a stressful economic environment, inflation and charge, you know, costs that are, that are going up and eggs. Has anybody tried to buy eggs lately? You're thinking, I need to get chickens. Don't do it. Chickens are the stupidest animals on the face of the earth. There's some childhood trauma that goes with that, by the way. We, which won't, we won't go into... And having somebody on my property who has chickens and a rooster that tries to attack me every time, we have an understanding. He hates me, and I hate him. How do we move in this time of fear? It's like, what is the, what's the Fed going to do? Are the interest rates going to rise? All this. How do we move from beyond survival? Well, we go from accidental to intentional. 
See, because this whole thing of money has a very practical impact upon our lives. Two top leading um, causes of divorce. Anybody want to give any guesses? Money, good. It's number two. It's number one. Sex. Particularly infidelity. Sex and money. Does culture, our culture talk about that at all? All the time. And most of their message is messed up. The number one issue couples fight about is also a topic many couples avoid discussing, money. According to a new survey by Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey's organization, money fights are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. Results show that both high levels of debt and a lack of communication are major causes for the stress and anxiety surrounding household finances. Why is it so important? Because it's the number two reason why marriages blow apart. By the way, just a little aside, um, one of the things that we're committed to is helping to equip us to have a biblical and a healthy view towards finances and towards money. And one of the ways we're doing that is, is that we're offering Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which is just a phenomenal foundational um, training course about you know money and, and how to manage it in a way that will bring blessing to you and honor God in your life. And so that's going to be starting on February 2nd. I think you can find uh, information about that, signing up for it online if you go to coldspringschurch.net. My goal is, is that we would offer that a couple times a year so that we can have that resource to have a, a proper understanding. So how do we trust God with our finances? What, what does it look like to rely on God when things get stressful? What, are the, what is the intentionality behind that? And, and it's, the thing is, is it, it, the intentionality is having a plan for being intentional. And I, I want to uh, give you just a little bit of formula in a second, and, and it reflects biblical wisdom. You're not going to find a chapter and verse of this formula or this approach within the Bible, but it reflects biblical wisdom. And, it, and, but the, the thing you have to settle first if you're going to engage in the plan is, is that you have to engage or settle with who owns what you have. You have to wrestle with and come to peace with the ownership question. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 24, 1-2, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. The psalmist reminds us that everything that we see around us is all God's. It all came from him. It's all a, a reflection of of his character, of his blessing, of his goodness that is towards us. Jesus, in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things. Who, who has all these things? Who owns all these things? Who controls all these things? Well, from a biblical perspective, God is the one who owns all. He is the one who provides all. 
And he makes us stewards of that. He gives it to us for a season. And the season isn't for eternity, by the way, right? Of material things. We're all going to leave something. Can't take it with you. So have you settled that ownership of God? This is yours. This is what I have. My bank account, my possessions, my home, everything. The clothes I wear, they're yours. And thank you that you have blessed me. And then it's about creating habits that help. And part of those habits is to have an understanding of, of the plan of what we're trying to move towards. And the, and the simple plan that I learned a number of years ago, it came out of Willow Creek um, Church in, in the Chicago area, um, is, is a simple plan called 101080. And the 80 is, is that, you know, of 80% of your income goes to living life. You know, that there's this thing called bills. Have you noticed that? There's the mortgage, and there's the car payment, and there's gas, which goes from $6 a gallon to $3.50 a gallon. You know, you never know, quite know what's gonna, where it's going to be. And there's, and there's the clothes, and there's and eggs. Thank you, Dwight. And eggs, you know, you never know where it's going to be. Don't get the chickens. Just saying, don't do it. Um, you have a friend who has chickens, by the way, in El Dorado County. Just get them from them. So, you know, there, there's this 80% that's called living life. There's a 10% that is saving, of investing. Because life goes like this, right? And so that saving, that investing, helps us to prepare and to have the flexibility to be able to engage in the differences and the changes of life. By the way, next week, uh, my friend Brian Berman, a church planter, longtime pastor, executive pastor, who's also a certified financial planner who works with the Expand uh, group, uh, David Bennett, a company founded by David Bennett, which has been my longtime financial planner, a longtime friend, also pastor. He's going to be here speaking on this and helping us to understand a biblical perspective of that 10%. And one of the things that we're offering, and Brian's opening himself is, is a complimentary or open uh, free a one-hour session that you can meet with him. And if you're interested in meeting with uh, Brian as a financial planner, you can do that. You can sign up online. And here's the thing is, is that you may have not done that because you're like, ah, financial planner, they're just out for my money, right? It's like, hmm. Um, and who do I trust? These are people that you can trust. Because truly, they seek first the kingdom of God. And they can help you to be wise in this. The other 10%, so 80% goes to life, 10% of that savings, investing, 10% goes back to God. Now, that's you might have heard within the church this word tithe. And the, the word tithe literally means 10%. That's where it comes from, is particularly within the Old Testament, you see that very much. And, and by the way, in the Old Testament, if you added up all the, the, the ways and different places that you are to give, it actually comes to about 25%. In the New Testament, the, the, the language and the word that's most commonly used is generosity. But it carries with it the same biblical concept of trusting God. And how do we live within that? And I'm going to be talking more deeply about that, of what we, how we live that out. But I think that, that one of the things as we come to uh, today 
is to remember that God has blessed you. He has blessed us. In, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7 11, it says, If you then, who are evil, Jesus, this is Jesus, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Can you trust God? That's the character of God Jesus is attesting to. He's a generous father. In James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Can you trust the God? It's James saying, this is the character of God. Everything that you enjoy, every blessing that you experience, you know where that came from? that's the character of God. So from accidental to intentional. You have to have, you have to have some sort of plan. You have to have a direction. And it's not about perfection. It's about the habits that lead us into the places of faithfulness, of glorifying God, of honoring him. Being intentional is probably going to make success more likely, the theologian S.M. York. And success, by the way, is honoring God. Success is honoring God. And intentional is depending on God's wisdom to honor God in all of life. That's the wisdom that God invites us to engage in. To not to under, depend on our own understanding, but to depend upon the wisdom of God. To live in his way, to allow him to meet our needs. As we've ended with um, each of these messages, I come back to this phrase of no God, no peace. N-O God, N-O peace. That if, if we don't know God, if, if there's no God in our life, it's all up to you and you should be stressed out. Because life is uncontrollable. But if you know God, K-N-O-W, I did spell it right this week. Last week I spelled it wrong, sorry. K-N-O-W, if you know God, you will know peace. You know, when Pam and I, um, after we got married, uh, March 1987, March 7th, 1987, we went um, to the wilderness of Canada uh, as Young Life uh, coordinators for a camp, a beyond uh, wilderness camp. And uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't make any money. Uh, we weren't paid for that. Then we came back and we drove to Chicago for me to start seminary. We loaded up everything we had in and on a 1982 Honda Accord. And we had $2,500. And we thought we were rich. And we drove across the country and to Chicago where we didn't have a place to live and we didn't have jobs. Because that was what God I believe, had called us to. Within two weeks, my wife had graduated from Oregon State University, summa cum laude, uh, with a master's degree in forest ecology. And we're moving. I say, honey, let's go to Chicago because there's so many forests in Chicago, Illinois, right? You know, within two weeks. We're, we, we know, I know without a doubt, there was one forestry position available in the Chicagoland area, all of Chicagoland, when we moved there, and in two weeks, God gave it to Pam. 
We have more than $2,500 right now, by the way. You know, we're, we're, that God is blessed because he is faithful, because that is his character. And as we come to this, as we come to, to do you want to know peace? You want to have peace in your life? Know God. So don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So here's the assignment this week. Here's the assignment. God has blessed you. He's given you. And so every time you go and you tap to, to pay, you know, your phone, your card, slide that card in there. Every time you pay a bill, even if you actually use this thing called cash, right? You know, pay something. I want you to reflect on where did that come from? Who provided that for you? How are you blessed to, to see the community that we live in, to see this place we live in, to recognize there is one who loves you deeply. There is one who longs to bless you, that you might know the greatness of his love. And he has provided abundantly beyond what you can imagine or think. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have the character of generosity, of kindness, of mercy. Spirit, thank you that you are with us all the time. And that you invite us into this life of trust, of reliance and distress. And Lord, I know that there are many people here today that are under stress a lot of different ways. And maybe this morning, one of those big ones is how do they pay the bills? Lord, I pray that your character would show itself true as they trust in you. And Lord, I pray for us at Cold Springs Church that we would continue to be a people, a place that relies not upon ourselves, but relies upon you. So that through your generosity, the world will be different. That we will have a lifelong trust. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.